Welcome to Born to Rome, episode, uh, I can't remember, it doesn't really matter, episode seven, according to Mitch behind the camera. Um, I'm joined today uh, by Mr. Max Kerman. How's it going, Max? I'm doing great. Thanks for coming by. It's our pleasure. Thank you for having us in your lovely backyard. Uh, sun is shining. It's early July. and uh, hot. It's hot, right? Like 31, 32. Nice 31, 32. And, uh, you know, it's uh, summer's here, everyone. Hope you're having a very good summer. Um, Are you good with the Fahrenheit calculation no, I'm for terrible. your American fans? It's probably like 90 I re- in American? Something like that yeah. in American, yeah. yeah. I, I realize that I don't even have any real <laughs> like context for what temperatures even mean. Like Denise <laughs> was saying to me uh, yesterday, she's like, uh, you know, it's going to be 35 tomorrow. And I'm like, that means nothing to me. I don't know. Like, what is it right now? Is it 100? Like, I can't. Is it going to? Oh, just, yeah. I just, la- there's certain... I think the the further you get into adulthood, the more you realize uh, you have everybody's got missing fundamental aspects of of knowledge. Oh, know? for sure. Well, I have that same kind of realization that I'm no con because I never really pay that close attention at the grocery store, so I have no context for what vegetables are expensive and which ones are the cheap yeah. ones. So you'd be like, you know, it's like, did you know that apples cost you know eight bucks an apple? I'd be like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like no. Yeah, they're uh, good fruit. Yeah. yeah, good fruit. I'm like, all right, whatever you say. <laughs> yeah. Like, just like, no context. You're just getting ripped off. Yeah. The, <laughs> like, the, you could charge anything. The like, organic Ooh. grocery store. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes I see vegetables. I'm like, there's no way it could be that cheap. Like, yeah. you know. Well, and then there's, yeah, it goes the other way uh, where I'm like, wow. There's got to be a mistake. Like, grapes. It's like a buck 99 for a whole bunch of them. Yeah. And you know what I mean? How is this possible? Yeah. yeah. No, I, I'm with you on that one. But m- one of my fundamental blind spots is, uh, I don't understand temperature and I have no context for mm-hmm. it. I'm trying to enrich myself over the last few days, but... Uh, Lauren has uh, said to me, she's like, Max, you're like uh, smart, uh, but if you don't care about a particular subject, you know nothing about it. <laughs> so there's like a bunch of things that you're like, I have like ze- less than zero idea. You got some blind spots. Yeah, many, many. Yeah. Many. yeah. I think that's, part of, that's an important part of being a human being, I think, yeah. is just having these... Uh, but <laughs> I think... Um, I, I, I've really like um, prided myself about being a good delegator. Okay, yes. But it's just, yeah. I think, excelled my uselessness. Yeah, yeah. It so, enables it. It enables it. Yeah. So like, it's just like one more thing I don't have to know how to do. Yeah, it's just you figure that whole thing out and... But then I'm like, but I'm such a great delegator. It's yeah. my skill. Yeah. But it, and I kind of, it kind of is. Gives but. you a nice false sense of accomplishment. Yeah. I'm, I am in that exact same boat. Mm-hmm. Thank you, by the way, Kyle, for doing all of the driving up, mm. up to this point in our dance career, <laughs> basically. Um, so speaking of rock and roll, mm-hmm. uh, Mr. Max Kerman, if you don't know, plays in a band called The Arkells. We've known each other for quite a long time. Long time. Long time. Very early Dirty No gigs. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But... Um, I would. I just wanted to see if, if we could get into a little bit of your kind of early time mm. uh, in music. And uh, was there? You grew up in Toronto, correct? yeah, yeah, downtown. So, uh, what were your kind of early musical experiences? I know that's a very vague question that every single person asks you, but it's kind of more of a what comes to mind today for you? Yeah, I uh, neighbors, brothers that lived across the street, and one was uh, like a year older, one was a year younger played guitar and drums and their parents let them jam in the basement 
So when I was like 15 or 16, I got interested in guitar. Because I, okay, when I was growing up, I exclusively listened to the Beatles and Motown. Like my dad was um, a DJ at the college radio station in oh, Detroit. That's wicked. Yeah, in the, like the late 60s. So he had like advanced copies of Sgt. Pepper's wow. and like all, like all these great Beatles records. And he trucked them around with him like his whole. Uh, adulthood. Do you still have them? Uh, he just got rid of them. Oh, really? Yeah, which is kind of, at the time I wasn't into vinyls. I was like, get rid of them. But yeah. now I'm a little more into vinyl. I'm like, ah, oh, we should have kept them. Yeah. But um, yeah, so growing up, I listened to like a lot of records around the house. He showed me like my first movie I can remember watching is Help and The Hard oh, Day's wow. Night. And he could play a couple guitar chords. And so I listened to a lot of that growing up. And then I think from like grade seven to 10, I was like mostly into hip hop. Like yeah. late 90s, early 2000s hip hop. So like, Nelly, Jay-Z, P. Diddy. Kind of like the golden era oh, in, my, yeah. in my mind of like a pop hip hop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of hooks in those oh, songs, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, I started playing guitar when I was like in grade 11. And I've always like been wanting to be involved in stuff, mm -hmm. you know? And I and I was like, oh, it was a talent show. And I was like, okay, I write a song about like the weird geography teacher at our school <laughs> and like perform that. And... Um, yeah, and that's and and so there's a bunch of like footage, like uh, of myself and my friends, the the two brothers that lived across the street, like playing at talent shows. So we they went to a different high school, so we played their talent show. Nice, to them, got the, to double dip, double dip. And there's a funny video of it was, we had a two song set, and the set list was um, sweater song, yeah, Weezer into Yellow by Coldplay. Nice. And, I, and we ha were wearing all sweaters for the first song and then we took them off and we're wearing yellow t-shirts. Nice. Like the big unveil. So, you know, I've been thinking about all elements of production. Yeah, uh, yeah you from know, the very beginning. From the very beginning. Um, so, yeah. And then I went to McMaster. I was like looking to start a band. That was like the main reason why I went to yes. school. Because I was like, okay, I'll get to meet new people. Um, it'll be, maybe there's other people that want to start a band. And on the first day of university because you know welcome week everyone's very friendly yep. right like you can kind of like ha have permission to go up and talk to anybody it's yes. like kind of the one time in life that you can do yeah, that yeah there's you have a complete social yeah like, and everyone just like, has to be nice so uh, i was profiling people on campus at mcmaster thinking like who looks like they might want to be in a band and i met mike d'angelis who's our guitar player to this day and i i never tell you the story but mike no 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 okay so uh, I was like, oh, yeah, are you into music? He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's, I was like, who, who's your favorite band? He's like, oh, this band, you probably never heard of them before. Uh, they're from Winnipeg. They're called The Weaker Thans. And I was like, are you kidding? Because The Weaker Thans had just put out Reconstruction Site, which is my favorite record that summer. I was like, holy shit. And I kind of like pushed him. I was like, this is amazing. He's like, why did this guy just push me? And then I was like, do you play an instrument? He's like, I kind of play guitar. I'm like, you're in the band. Yeah. He's like, what band? I'm like, we'll figure it out. Yeah. And then the next day, I was wearing a Sam Roberts band t-shirt because I just seen Sam Roberts uh, like a few weeks before. And Nick, our bassist, introduced himself to me. He said, oh, you like Sam Roberts? I was like, yeah, I love Sam Roberts. And I was like, do you play an instrument? He's like, I kind of play the bass. I'm like, you're in the band. You're the and band. That, that's how the band started. That is Very amazing. lucky. You yeah. know, I feel, probably you feel similar with Kyle where you're like, there's a lot of musicians that you know that spend a long time trying to uh, find people to play with yes. and, and get along with and compliment each other. Yes, develop and, alongside. Yeah, and and we totally did that, the three of us. And I was like, I'm still a pretty hack guitarist, but like we all were interested in like, okay. So that first year when we were all in residence, we practiced in like the common room uh, in Mike's res. And our first gig was like the Battle of the Bands at McMaster. Nice. And we like 
got a grocery cart and like put all of our gear in it and <laughs> walked across campus with it. And then our first gig was at the Casbah. Oh, wow. Uh, actually, you know who our first gig, our first like off-campus gig was opening for this band called Frantic City. And Steve Kiley from Monster Truck yeah. was in that band. Oh, he played wow. Drums in it. I remember seeing that, that name on posters at the Casbah, like that they used to like laminate the walls That's years right. later. Yeah. So yeah. Frantic City. Frantic City. I assumed that they were some sort of teenage head offshoot. That's but, right. Yeah, it, yeah. Was, it was like kind of like a Hamilton rock band. And I remember um, the singer in that band uh, came by my res, Brandon Hall, to pay us our gig money. Like, we oh, weren't yeah. expecting to get paid anything. Yeah, we're like, yeah. this is amazing. We're on the same stage Joel Plaskett played yeah. like, a few months before. And he gave us 50 bucks. And we're like, this is incredible. Yeah, rock and roll it, forever. Forever. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's a couple of things I wanted to ask you about. So, uh, unpack a couple of things you, yeah. you mentioned. So I think it's very widely known that anybody knows uh, of the band knows uh, your affiliation and affinity uh, for sports. Mm. So I was going to just ask, is there kind of a synergy in your mind in terms of your musical development appreciation mm. of hip hop and stuff that kind of developed alongside your love of sports are those two things linked intrinsically or are they yeah, separate yeah i think uh, i've never been um a solo sports person i've always been very team oriented yeah. so i played baseball and basketball growing up and i think the camaraderie um and this idea that everybody has like a role to play in, on a sports team yeah. is something that I feel has helped with like being sort of the band leader with our Kells mm -hmm. and just getting everybody has like a job to do, mm -hmm. right? And 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 having this sort of like all for one, one for all attitude. I think that was shaped by sports. Um, and I heard of like a good, like a really good writer who was talking, who writes about basketball, said something about like basketball is a sport where like Every guy on every play must make a choice like when he should be selfish, when it's good to be selfish, and, and then when, it, when it's good to recede, yeah. depending on like what the team needs. Yeah. And there's a bit of that in like building a song or oh, like for where, sure. where it's like, when is it good that Kyle does a big stupid fill? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when is it bad that yeah. he does that? And, and everybody like being really mindful about like when it's appropriate to step out and when it's appropriate to be a supporting cast member. Yeah. And I, when he, when he said that about basketball, I was like, Oh, it's very similar to like, no, there's a lot of parallels. Yeah. That's for sure. I mean, watching that, uh, the last dance, a lot of, uh, there's a lot of, a lot of the tense moments just like throw you into a, a PTSD type oh, state yeah. of like, Oh my God. I mean, I didn't play on the 1998 Chicago Bulls, <laughs> but I, I know exactly what's going on right there. Yeah, and feeling appreciated. You know, it's like going back to the last dance thing. It's like Scottie Pippen was like, felt like his coach didn't appreciate all the work that he'd put in and he was deserving of getting that shot. Yeah, you yeah. Know, and then he decided to not come into the game because yeah. he was pouting about it. And you're like, ah, you know, it's like, there is many situations like that in band world. Where yeah. It's just like, you know what? It's like, we just probably don't need a bass guitar in this song. Yeah. Are you okay with that? Like, I think it's for the betterment of yeah. everybody. But, you know, but yeah. the bass, but Nick could be like, but I've been practicing. Yeah. You know? But you're like, I know you've been practicing, but you, you just, just can't play until the last course. Yeah, or exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. And everybody understanding that it's like, okay, there's a, a grander vision there. So, yeah. So, at the sports stuff, um, yeah, just wanting to, to be a part of like a team yeah, is, yeah. Is, is sort of like the, and and then Arkell's obviously a five piece, but w more more recently we've had horns and backup singers, where mm -hmm. it becomes like this big like a twelve piece band, and that feels very fun. It feels very team like to me. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Much much larger organism. Yeah. Was there anything about like I guess like 
maybe I'm looking at it too closely or thinking about it too narrowly, but like in terms of the music and its association mm. with sports, like, you know, like the hip hop or oh, anything sure. played in between plays or like, or uh, even like Space Jam or anything like that. Yeah. Do you think that that helped you uh, get indoctrinated into loving music? Or do you think that your kind of early Beatle, like almost uh, not optional uh, love of Beatles uh, yeah. from a young age, uh, was that, did that kind of give you enough groundwork? Uh, yeah, I think there's a few things that happened there where it's like, I like the Beatles thing started in my love of music yeah. and, and like love of like writing pop songs and like melodies and hooks and lyrics that really hit. I remember like listening to In My Life when I was like 10, year old, 10 years old at my friend Daniel's house and just like crying on his bed, just listening to the songs. Yeah. It was so beautiful. But then um, I love like uh, one of my favorite moments like playing basketball is before a game uh, in the layup line, just when people are warming up, you know, there's one line going layups and other people are getting the rebound yeah, and it's yeah. just kind of a thing. And there's always music being played and there's a rhythm to it. Yeah. And just like, I was like, I just love just, just the rhythm of how sports moves and the right song with all that. And I think just being a sports fan, I don't think this happened intentionally, but as the band started to grow and we got placements in like video games or in sports montages, like I, there is, like a real connection between like the right piece of music with something that's happening yeah, in that yeah, world. Yeah. Even like Friday Night Lights, which is a great TV show, had awesome music in it. Yeah. And it was like a football show, but like rural West Texas. Yeah. And but the theme song was Explosions in the Sky, which is like, oh, this is cool. Like this is a, yeah. this is like this Americana thing, but with this very like beautiful atmospheric music. So I do feel like they intersect a little bit more than maybe people realize. But that I think came naturally to me because I've always been keeping my eye on what's happening in the yes. world. Um, and then back to the whole Mac thing. So, you know, I've talked to a lot of people that, you know, some people who go to university, uh, out of high school and then maybe develop a band afterwards. A lot of people have kind of a tendency or at least like a temptation to have some kind of regret mm. about going to some kind of post-secondary rather than getting straight into rock and roll oh, or whatever. Oh, who's that? Who's, who said that? Uh, like I, I've talked to, I mean, you know, uh, Myself, par partially sure, yeah, sometimes, yeah. but I mean, like th th those kind of and and you know a few other people, Kyle, yeah. know, people in my band, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Uh, like, yeah, other yeah. Uh, other people that I've kind of talked to around, like uh, some American bands, mm -hmm. but I think you know when whenever I feel that kind of temptation uh, to maybe possibly regret something like that, I also consider the things that university gave me that I have applied towards mm. my career in rock and roll but it sounds like that situation is completely different for you because you got into university by your own admission to start a band yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> well I just, I just figured it was going to be I, I feel like um maybe my circle in toronto of musician buddies they were off maybe going to different schools already i was a little i was older than a couple of the guys i played with so i knew i wouldn't be able to like jam with them as regularly yeah. so i just assumed i don't know what it was that made me just believe that there'd be lots of people like me at school that would want to start a band. I had this yeah. idea and maybe it was because like I was thinking about, I was really into Ben Folds and Ben Folds five. And that was like a college rock band. Yeah. 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 And I feel like that must've like heard about like, like REM who met in school. I feel like there was some examples that I could point to that I'm like, Oh, these guys met in college. Yeah. And they like had, were living in a student house or something. Like, yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah. It felt like the path was there. 
for that. Yeah, that that makes sense. I mean, I think a lot of my heroes, as I was like in university, were all fuck ups. So, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, I, yeah. I, There was a, there weren't there weren't many people that had gone to university. I, yeah, I must have like cherry picked a couple like prime examples. Yeah, of, prime examples of like bands that I liked, like REM, um, Ben Folds Five. Like Americana, and then I guess I didn't probably probably didn't this at the time, but like the hip, I think met at school. I had learned that later, but yeah, it seemed like oh, this seems like a place, and also like the like I think like the type of person that I could like the debauchery of rock and roll has never been the an, thing, an like appealing the, side of it. Yeah, yeah, the appealing side to it for me and so i think the idea of going to like oh some other guy who's getting his dumb degree in poli sci yeah. or something like that i'd be like oh that's someone who i'd probably want to hang out with a yeah, little yeah, bit yeah. more or something i don't know no that makes sense yeah, that just makes for sense. me yeah. yeah 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 was there kind of a, a moment early on like I, I i remember hearing stories about that was it a student house called rocky soggy rocky soggy yeah, i so drove can you by talk a little bit about that yeah so um my dear friend Aaron Goldstein, who you know, lovely man, and uh, we were just at his space uh, two days ago, nice. we were working on some stuff. And so, the story with Goldstein is he's a couple years older than me, um, but he music lover, guitar player. I met him on the Go Bus going to North by Northeast in 2005. Mike and I it was so busy on the Go Bus that we were standing in the middle, you know, like when it runs yeah, out of seats. Yeah. And we were talking about going to see Joel Plaskett. And then Goldstein was sitting kind of in the seat next to us. And he was like, go to see Plaskett? Uh, yeah, I love Joel Plaskett. And then we kind of hit it off from there. And he um, kind of introduced us to like all the, all the Neil Young records, the band, that sort of like 1960s, 1970s Americana. And we were with him the day he bought his pedal steel guitar. Oh, wow. Yeah. And he and our friend Adam Melnick, who's a great keyboard player, who now is a great piano tuner around Hamilton. Hell of a guy. Hell of a guy. Uh, they lived in a house called Rocky Sagin, and it's on Paradise between King and Main. Okay. Um, just like not far from the grocery store there. Yeah, yeah. And they'd have house shows in the, in the basement. So it was like a proper, like, you know, kind of just reminded me of like something you'd seen in like a rock and roll documentary. Yeah, it's like, yeah. that's where everybody got together to yeah, jam. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lyric in our song, John Lennon, which is sort of about getting drunk at Snooty Fox and feeling sorry for yourself. Yeah. But it's like, the lyric is like, Adam's in love again, and the good rev wants to jam instead. And Adam was always like in love with some gal, and the good rev is Aaron Goldstein. Yeah, yeah. And he, it'd always be like one in the morning, we'd be like finishing up at Snooty Fox. He'd be like, should we go back to our place and jam? Let's jam. And we'd be like, all right. <laughs> all right, let's yeah. do it. And um, we had a little side project band um, called the Surly Young Bucks, which was more like country rock. And our friend Cam Malcolm uh, was in the band as well. Another local, local, yeah. excellent man. Local legend, incredible songwriter, one of my favorite songwriters. Yeah. And yeah, so it was just like one of these places where it's like you, if you can learn to play like in a basement with like a tiny shitty PA yeah. and like and, cramped and, in there and have fun doing and have it. fun doing it, then you know you can kind of play anywhere. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So you had a really good kind of fertile uh, little rock and roll scene. At yeah, Mac. we were really lucky that. Um, well, I'd say that a couple of things. One is like the guys in the band were serious about it, meeting people like uh, Aaron and Adam and Cam Malcolm. Yeah, and, just, yeah. and like just the scene of indie rock at the time in Hamilton, I think it was like sort of the golden era of Canadian indie rock because we could go to the Casbah as 20 year olds and see like Stars, Broken Social Scene, Constantine's, Winter Sleep, Joel Plaskett, Cuff the Duke, all these bands that were like in their prime. Yeah playing the Casbah for 200 people. Yeah. And then they'd go to Toronto and maybe play Lee's or Phoenix or something yeah, like that. Yeah. And I was like, this is the best. And so we learned so much from those bands 
And they were like our heroes. Like, yeah. like the, and especially our first record, Jackson Square, is like very influenced by that like era of Canadian indie rock. And I remember even going to a show at Center Island. It, um, it was, I think, 2003. And the bill <laughs> goes as follows. So I think I might have told you this before, but okay, headlining was Sloan. Okay. Uh, direct support, Sam Roberts. Underneath that, uh, Sam was the Stills. Then like, Pilot, which is a band that people don't really think about as much, but they had some good songs. Mm -hmm. Broken social scene underneath that. The Deers. Wow. The Constantines. Like Buck 65. Yeah. And then second on was Death from Above. Wow. And first on at like noon and we missed them. Guess. Is it Chaos? No, no. This no is that, the, that was too late. That no, was... the, 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 the biggest band from that whole scene. Arcade Fire? Yeah. Oh my God. Is that like a murderer's row? And that was 2003. Yeah. So all those bands wow. and like arts and crafts and that label and like they, there's so much shit going on, you know. And then the Dynalone stuff like was kind of just like you know Alexis and City and Color and Attack and Black yeah. and Bedouin Sound Clash. It was just like a really good time for like Canadian oh, like, rock yeah. music. Insane. Yeah, the early 2000s and like was such an awesome time as a fan. I think too to watch things. I was. Uh, you can see it up close. So we yeah. we learn so much as a band. We'd be like, oh, like that's the thing to do. Like yeah. we're gonna steal all of Bry Webb's moves. Yeah, like, I'm gonna have a guitar that looks like him. Yeah, I'm gonna do that a little yeah. bit. Yeah, yeah. It's like do a little gruff thing. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. That's that is that is that was a prime time. Like oh like, like imagine like being. 19 and then seeing like Nirvana when they were 23 or something yeah. or 25 or something like being just being the generation just behind yeah, yeah, yeah all yeah. that stuff was to very, be see them in their prime and you're that malleable and you're that to, close to it yeah. yeah so I really feel like we have so much to owe to all those bands and there's stuff that we do today that was like oh that's just something I saw Joe Plaskett do at the Casbah in 2005 yeah like like the way he like thinks about the arc of a show and his banter with the crowd and how he like peppers in certain storyline like narratives off the top of the set and he kind of mentions again in the middle callback and then he and then he brings it home at the, yeah. at the end and I'm like, oh this is perfect yeah. right and and i think there's like yeah we we learned a lot uh, and the other the other advantage we had which i always feel bad for bands that are like from winnipeg or newfoundland it's just like we could play we can go to Guelph, London, Toronto, St. Catharines. It just geographically, it's a very advantageous place to be. Oh, for sure. It, yeah. Whereas like if you're a Newfoundland band, it's like just getting off the island and you're not flying because you can't afford it. It takes 24 hours or something. Yeah, exactly. Crazy. Yeah. I mean, to a le I mean, it's it's a less extreme example, but I always thought that like if you're a band from Sudbury, God bless everyone up in Sudbury, yeah. love your town and love playing for you guys. But if you're from Sudbury, Heading down to Toronto is like us heading to Brooklyn. Oh, like, I it's know. It's like that much of an outing. It is. You know, it's like a real serious undertaking. Yeah, where we can just pop to Toronto for a gig and be sleeping in our own bed at yeah. the end of the night. Yeah, yeah. It's f and we're 40 minutes from the border. Yeah, so it's, yeah that's uh, right. Yeah. It's quite... Uh, Hamilton is... Uh, there's definitely some very lovely geographic advantages yeah. here that uh, I'm very... We're, I think we're both very lucky to have mm -hmm. taken advantage of, but um, that is a very, very interesting... Uh, I, I just didn't consider those things that you guys that y that you had access to in the, in the years that you were at Mac is yeah. such an interesting time. Uh, but to you know that I feel like it happens roll. a lot in history where you're like, oh, 
it's like not comparing the two at all. But like, uh, like the Beatles have being born just before the baby boomers. That's the biggest like example. Yeah. Where it's just like, oh, they were like the baby boomers started in '46, like after yeah, the war, yeah. and all the Beatles were born from like '40 to '42 or '40 yeah. to '44. So they were all just five years older than yeah. the 15 year old screaming girls. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, exactly. And so they had access to this like whole new, huge wealth huge demographic of, yeah. of teenage dollars. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That was a very interesting time in, uh, in, in Canadian music history as well. Like in the early two thousands, I remember some story that Brody told that he had a matinee show. Have you heard this story where he, at the underground where the, he had two bands on the bill and the bands were Alexis on fire and the arcade fire and he had billed these vans because they both had fire in what? the name and <laughs> sure. and crazy. nobody came except for um i think the tickets were ten dollars and a lady walked up to the gate and like the both bands were sound checking and there was like two people there three yeah. whatever and this lady said hey i uh rep i i actually represent these uh all these special needs students and uh we're looking to like have some fun and we were gonna go to a movie but then i saw you're having this show like mm. do you mind if, if we all come in and um we uh i'll just i've got you know five hundred dollars or a thousand dollars or whatever and brody's like Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Like, and okay. so yeah, they Alexis on Fire and Arcade Fire played to basically like a, a field trip, a field trip yeah. crowd. Uh <laughs> and uh I just wish I was there so bad. Wow. That sounds I wonder like who such, opened. Who would have got the opening? I know, right? Probably Arcade Fire because they were from further away. Yeah, I guess so, right? You know, they Alexis on Fire could pull. claim like a hometown yeah. advantage sort of. Yeah. But the, the days of those, I just, I haven't heard a story like that go down, but I guess all those, those events are always evaluated retrospectively. By yeah. Yeah. I'm sure there's about a thousand of those that you just never hear of again. Because, yeah, exactly. Because the band retired quickly. After. Yeah, exactly. They broke up amidst uh, predictable circumstances. Yeah. Obviously we're in the middle of a, a catastrophe. It uh, is a catastrophe. Yeah. <laughs> Good Lord. So, so the what, numbers today in America is like, Pretty rough. When There's, are we getting? When are we gonna be allowed to go there? Yeah, it's a very good question. I mean, like that's that's kind of my that's dovetails into my my next uh, my next question. I mean, given what is going on right now and the lack of kind of certainty in you know the world at large, but uh -huh. I mean in our profession, where do you like? What kind of keeps you sane during all of this stuff? Is it just being proactive and trying to exploit the opportunities that remain, or is it to just kind of like loftier ambitions towards you know the future and say, well, well, when this is open, we'll do this, or what? How do you how do you personally find yourself navigating this? Yeah, I mean, I think yeah, it's not it's not easy i think w one thing the band has always done a pretty good job at is like keeping our sort of like eyes peeled on like kind of what's going on in the world what feels good to be a part of what we kind of can naturally be a part of because because right now it feels like there's a lot of ideas that are being shoehorned around like yeah okay i guess we're playing on a stage and people are uh in their cars at the parking lot and yeah. like and it's and like and i get i totally understand why people have to do that but it's like okay i don't think we want to do that we're working on some like acoustic stuff that we're like okay maybe that's that's a, that's an angle that's a way in that uh, it's something we haven't really got to properly explore in the past but maybe that's a scalable thing that yeah we, that we can be a part of uh, because people like our acoustic versions. So we've used some time at home to work on acoustic songs. Uh, and that's been, it feels like a productive 
part of our day and everybody can record at home. And so, especially when everyone was like not leaving the house, we got a lot of work done that way. Yeah. You know, I was talking to Tony, uh, our keyboardist the other day or yesterday, and he was saying that he wants, to, we've never done anything to track, like play to track before. Uh, you know, like a lot of like electro bands and stuff will we'll yeah. play to have some computer stuff going on. But we're like, oh, maybe there could be something interesting about playing to Ableton for a couple songs that have like a dancey thing to it. If only to uh, think about the light show. Yeah. Because I really sometimes like I'm jealous if you see a band like Phoenix or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah. Have you ever seen them live? I have. I saw them in at V-Fest in 2006. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. The, I, we, we saw them recently and their show is incredible. And you can kind of only get to that level of like lighting cues yeah if synchronization you, if, yeah if you're syncing to a track and, and the band's still playing live but there's like you're playing to a click and that allows the, the lights to yeah, go off a lot perfectly more intense lights. yeah and we've never done that but it's a it's a conversation that we've had before we're like oh what about for these like a song like relentless which is uh which tony triggers some parts to so we could yeah yeah so it's like okay and so tony was like i, I kind of want to like learn how ableton works and so then maybe we could like dig in to see like, is there two or three songs in the set that we're going to play yeah. to a track? So the lighting show, maybe it's the first song at the top of the thing or something. And I was like, okay, that's, that's an area to explore. So basically, I guess the short answer is we're using the time to try to explore ideas that we normally on a normal schedule, we never have, have time. time to do. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah. And also just trying to, you know, keep our, eyes peeled for like, you know, okay, what's, because time moves in such a weird way right now that, you know, in four weeks from now, like it, we could be able to do more. So, yeah. just, so just like, you know. Yeah, being ready to being capitalize ready, being ready on ready some opportunities go. rather than just sitting, sitting around, sitting around and, uh, and uh, you know, uh, gazing into the fridge until well, the fridge gazes back. Yeah, right. <laughs> I think there's a certain amount That's of that good. that happens anyways. No, no, it's true. Yeah, another thing is just like also trying to like just like figure out like how to work better as a unit. I know we've talked about this before. We're just like, how do we keep everybody like engaged and like just like the communication within the band? Mm -hmm. Like, okay, we have a little bit of time. Like what are things that like issues that keep popping up when it comes to like game planning, what the next six months look like? And just like, how, how can we make conversations as like fruitful and as smooth as possible yeah. and get everybody on the same page? Yeah. yeah, and that's like every fucking band ever. Yeah. But we're trying to be as like mindful about that as we can. Yeah. Which is like a very like boring corporate answer to be honest, but like, well, I guess what else it's do we have true, to fucking though. do? It's true though, it's like, I don't know. Yeah, I, that's all I got for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's just, it's a very interesting time right now to kind of sit and watch what people are doing because. And what people aren't doing. Too. And what people aren't doing. Because yeah. I, I think that, that there's the, you know, especially when it comes to releasing music and uh, making plans, there seems to be generally two trains of thought and action. And one of them is exploiting what opportunities are available and using creative means to basically be as productive as possible. And then the other side just seems to be like, we're just going to sit here and wait this shit out. Well, you know, we, there's we're, a lot of people in that there's category. There's a lot of people. And then there's also, I think the people who are doing that are just using other acts as case studies for like how it went. So, so basically it's just like, okay, so I'm just put out a record a couple, like last week. I think it's awesome, but I'm going to see like how we all feel about the Heim record in a month knowing that we can't go see them play at fucking bud stage or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so it's just like, how do we, how, how are other bands 
is it working for them by putting yeah. music out right now or is it not working because the, the music comes and goes and it'll feel weird to see them in a year from now or yeah. whenever they can go and tour it. So yeah. yeah, just seeing kind of what works and what doesn't work. There's a lot of canaries down the coal mine. There is. Right now. Yeah, it's like, you know, on a much larger scale, like The Weeknd or uh, Dua Lipa. Like they put up records kind of top half of quarantine. And I was like, oh, this is great. New music. I'm into this. Uh, but now those records feel pretty old. Yeah. I'm wondering if they go, uh, maybe we should have just Did saved it. That up, yeah. yeah, maybe we could have just like, why didn't we just put out in September or something, and then yeah. hopefully be touring in the top half of 2021 or something. Yeah, it's 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 uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how history evaluates, you know, these things because, um, you know, it's it's impossible to t to determine like where we are while we're in it. Yeah, especially with these kinds of things that are, you know, the energy and money and momentum that goes into a release. And I totally understand and empathize with both sides of the coin of oh, the people of that are, you know, that it's us like, let's do it. Let's just drop the thing. Let's make it happen. And we'll exploit all available avenues of support. Yeah. And then people that are like, fuck this. I'm battening down the hatches until this shit's over. And so we can play a show to all, at least a thousand people. Yeah. Until we can actually get out there and support the record. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, but it's also, you know, it's, it's also interesting pondering how this is going to affect music like even when things are back to normal mm -hmm. which you know they'll never be it's not gonna i think it i think that we'll always bear the stamp of this whole thing yeah it's, it's very interesting to see how live music and releasing music is going to uh is it raining a little bit God's, it's God's spitting on us a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it's like sunny, but i think you're getting right now we're kind of protected yeah. by the yeah. tree Are your camera's gonna be okay Okay, you all right cool. over there? Yeah. That's, we're, we're, you're listening to Born to Roam <laughs> once again. That's kind of, kind of pretty as long yeah, as no right, equipment so it's gets all fucked right. up. Anyways, the, I, I guess like it's, I, it's, I find it endlessly fascinating to speculate about how things are all going to shake out, <sighs> but it's also like completely nebulous because who the hell actually knows? I know. So let's get back, let's get back to the questions that... Uh, that our uh, our extremely wide viewership would like to like to like to dig into. Okay, do you remember a moment? Uh, was there a moment? Was there a, a moment? Whether it was like a an early song that you guys had, or a gig, or a response that really filled you with the the feeling that you could do this, that this mm. is something that can that that's that's viable and not just a pipe dream. Yeah, I think um, I wrote a lot of very bad songs in high school. But the one that kind of, you, you know, the feeling you get when you're like, oh, this is good. Yeah. And you feel that way because it doesn't, I that am feeling. a genius. Yeah, and you don't get to feel it very often. So you're like, no. this feels very unlike every other shitty feeling I've had. Because yeah. most of the time you're just like, I'm a fucking idiot. Yeah, I don't know what sucks. I'm doing. What am I doing? Yeah. Uh, it was a song <laughs> that I wrote in high school, like in grade 12, called Tragic Flaw, which ended up being on Jackson Square that we put a four years oh, later, wow. five years. And we still play that song sometimes. Um, but I remember like, oh, that's, oh, that feels pretty good. Like, I'm not embarrassed by this. I can stand behind it. Yeah. Like, it kind of like does a Beatle thing like, just when the chorus hit and you're just like, oh, that major chord. You're like, oh, that feels good. Yeah, yeah, um, And yeah, I'm trying to think. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd say that'd be like the, the first time. But I'm trying to think like what would have been like, um, a song that had a reaction to it. I mean, like, Oh, The Boss Is Coming was probably written, like, third year uh, at McMaster. I was like, oh, there's something to that. The, the way like, people just, like, kind of 
viscerally get it. There's yeah, not, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like there's no explaining. Start moving to it. And, yeah. yeah. Because you don't have to explain why a song is good. It sucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's you like know, either it's you know good or fucked. it's yeah. not good. And but if you, you have if to, you just listen to the lyrics. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you have to explain why the song is really interesting, yeah. then it's probably not yeah. that interesting or worthwhile. Do you find still uh, any kind of feeling that like when the band can get a good groove together, then that, that that's usually when, regardless of what. Uh, you the songwriters bringing to the table like if you if the band can make something that really makes people move then you've got something good um yes and no i think early on it was really like dependent on the band feeling really comfortable playing so we'd rehearse the songs like into the ground to make sure that everybody was like locked in yeah, yeah. and and so like okay we can play this live but then in the last few records I think sort of as an effort to um, evolve. Yeah. It's like, okay, we're going to just like really think about how the song just sounds on the headphones and like not think as hard about like, am I like physically comfortable playing this song? Mm. And so, and those songs, like, so a song like My Heart's Always Yours was kind of written like that. Like we didn't rehearse it a ton. It was like, this is kind of, it just sounds good coming back to me. Yeah. And we're gonna have to figure out how to get comfortable executing it live. So there's a good, I think there's a healthy mix of both of those kinds of songs now where certain songs just like snap into place really quickly. Like um, Years in the Making was like, oh, this is this feels amazing. Mm-hmm. There's nothing really to think on. And then there's other songs. Remember like even like 11.11, My Heart's Always Yours. Um, I think Relentless. Th- those are all kind of were like, okay, we're going to have to really do like five months of touring before it feels yeah. feels good. Yeah. And now they all feel good. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, yeah. You're playing a bunch of times and... You get into it. Yeah, yeah. Um, when it comes to, like, writing habits, are you super diligent about trying to, like, put your ass in a chair every day and work on it? Or does it, do you, what, how does that work for you? Or has that changed over time? Yeah, I think uh, it has, it's, the, the writing uh, style or, like, the way the songs evolve ha- has definitely changed over time. I'd say... Right now we're sitting on a bunch, so I probably am like, okay, I'm good for now. Kind yeah, of thing. yeah, yeah. You know, like, yeah. we, you don't like have we, the fear of God in you right yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like when you, but when you're when you're sitting when you're kind of done a record cycle and you have like a bunch of like weird little ideas on your voice notes, but you're like, I I hope I really just like yeah please like please God <laughs> let these become things right yeah yeah uh, and that's when when you get stressed and I remember like probably mm-hmm. probably like a year ago kind of feeling that way going like fuck but then you kind of just like hack away at it there are days that you just get stressed out and like around the house i'm like just like stressed out just yeah like, i'm in a bad mood <laughs> right a now part like, of the process yeah and then but then you know if you but if you do hack away at it um yeah little things like i try not to get uh superstitious about how a song should come together so in the so in, i don't have like a oh I need to be in my space or I need to be this time of day yeah or I need to like have eaten this for breakfast or something yeah, like that yeah. it's kind of just like you don't have to light the candles or yeah no like exactly yeah. it's like kind of whatever comes to you like at whatever time yeah if it feels good that's like sort of the answer yeah so that's been I, I think I want to mention this I read this book I've never read any Stephen King before oh, but I yes, read uh, his book on writing it's called on writing. And he's very workmanlike about it, but he's very matter of fact about it. He like demysticizes his whole thing. He's like, listen, it's not that complicated. Just fucking sit down. I try to go for 2,000 words. Sometimes I get 3,000 in a day, sometimes 1,000. But if I do that for six months, I have a book. 
and then I put it out and I go to the next thing. And, and it's just like, oh, he's a, he's very just like matter of fact and workmanlike about it. Yeah. So I think about him. Also, I think the other thing I've done recently is I really tried to my best to like zoom out as much as I can. Because as a young writer and think about the Beatles, I'm like, oh, but is this chord change clever enough? Or, oh, that, the G to C, too basic, can't do that, can't do that. You know, the Beatles would never do that. Or something yeah. like, just, you, you build up like weird rules, rules in your head yeah. that like are actually kind of unhelpful. Yeah. So how do you zoom out and kind of disassociate with the idea a little yeah. bit and just look at it like just a, a random viewer or a random listener? Yeah. Like, how do you do that? And, That's a very good point. And uh, I've been trying my best. And actually, one of the one of the ways I've done that recently is just with collaborating with other guys in the band and other producers that we've worked with is just not even holding a guitar. Just being like, okay, let's hear a piece of music and I'm just going to kind of sing over top of it. And if it feels kind of good to sing, that's probably the answer, which is very unusual for me as, as a guy who like started writing songs with, with a guitar and, you know, that's how you do it. So to be able to just like write over a piece of music has been interesting. Like Mike, there's a new song that we have that Mike just kind of did a whole instrumental for it. And I just like wrote the top line over top yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah, Which was a new experience for me. And uh, I enjoyed it. So just trying to like build up as many sort of like tricks for like how to kind of move the ball forward yeah and not I'm working on not getting cantankerous or dogmatic about yeah like this isn't how we do things well, we've got to yeah i i, I want to tell every band out there every young band just being like don't be dogmatic about it and and i'm still dogmatic about certain things i shouldn't be yeah but um i think yeah being very open open-minded. yeah open-minded and just like picking up tricks from people that have been doing it for longer yeah can be good yeah. And also like, you know, I think everybody gets indoctrinated into rock and roll through some kind of mythology. Mm. And that mythology, while it like attracts you there in the first place, can be very dangerous because you mm. build these you build things in your mind that could have zero actual root in truth. Like, yeah. you know, where you're like, well, Paul Westerberg from the replacements never would have done this. It's just like, who the fuck knows what yeah. Paul Westerberg would have done and who cares also? Like, it, yeah, no, it's so, so true. And, um, yeah, and a lot of times like, yeah, yeah, you're totally right. Like there's, there's a style of songwriting that you, and, and just the lore around how certain great songs are written. Yeah. That you go, it's like, well, Paul like woke up from a dream and yeah. and, and wrote uh, yesterday. Yeah. So I guess I just gotta be really gotta, be gotta keeping sleep. tabs on my my yeah. dreams, and I guess I gotta you know whatever. Yeah. Uh, or like Jackson Brown wrote, you know, running on empty because he heard someone upstairs. So I guess I should listen to the neighbor yeah. in the apartment. Oh, really? Yeah. Close to or whatever the fuck. Yeah. And and you realize that there's usually a lot more. Oh, there's a lot to it. Yeah. And, you know, there's a little more collaboration than people realize, I think. Yeah. When it comes to like producers that had a hand in it or like other co writers or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. There's that too, right? Yeah. A big, uh, the unsung uh, heroes of the, how a lot of the classic songs yeah. have come together. It's very, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's very, the, the key, I think the, the important point about that at all is that even if you think you have the information about how your favorite things came together, you don't. No. You have no idea how it actually came together, so don't use your idea about it as a template to do anything. You gotta yeah. just figure out what's gonna work for you. Yeah. That's basically the key. Yeah, and then also just like sort of removing your 
ego and like personal feelings. This happens a lot with like, I think I was kind of getting, getting at it earlier when it comes to like just the group work. This is like, do you not like the song because you just don't like the drum part that you're playing? Like, or is the song pretty good and we can just think about the drum part? Like, you yeah. don't confuse the two. Yeah, 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 you know? yeah. yeah. Um, it's, it's like, and, and I find that's, I, I, our band I think has gotten pretty good at like realizing that like the song is the most important thing. But it's very easy, I think, for young bands to go like, eh, not into it. I'm like, no, you're just not into the two chords that this song is. Yeah. You're just bored by the A and the D. Yeah. Uh, but like, but is the song, the song could be amazing. Right? Yeah. It could be, we'll take a walk on the wild side or something. Banger of yeah. a chorus, but because you're bored. Because you're bored by it, you're shitting on it. Yeah. So that's another like, yeah, tip for young bands. It's just like, just what helps the, 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 the song most. Yeah. See if there's like, if, 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 if there's, if you're playing something that's really turning somebody else on, Give it a chance. Yeah, yeah. Don't uh, don't get rooted in how fancy. We really sound like is. a couple lead singers here, but right, yeah. <laughs> right, right, yeah, right. Yeah. Let's head up. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, there's the one thing that I forgot to mention. Uh, Ross told me to tell you that he saw a guy who he thinks was in the Arkells on a bike yesterday, mm. and he says hello. It's probably uh, it was probably Nick or Mike. We yeah. saw Ross though two or three days ago. Okay, and I waved at him, and I think he recognized me. Okay. Yeah. That may have been you. It might have been me. Yeah. <laughs> so Ross says hello. Otherwise, I think it was. I think it was Nick. I think he okay. said Nick. Yeah. Nick would have but, waved. Uh, Nick's yeah. a very friendly guy. Yeah. So that's the first thing. The second thing is um, circling back to the um, uh, McMaster Battle of the Bands. Mm, uh, yes. Yes. I have with me. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I have with me the. Uh, so Max spoke earlier about the uh, Battle of the Bands that you guys played in. Did yeah. you guys win? Uh, yeah. Yeah. We. You won, guys right. won. Yeah. And uh, so uh, we played in the Battle of the Bands, the Dirty Nil did in 2010. Oh, wow. And uh, a little backstory, we double dipped as we, another theme That's of this right, uh, episode. That's right, because you did a Laurier one? Or did a Laurier one. I went to university at Laurier, yeah. and Kyle was going to school at Mac, mm. and uh, we got beaten out of the Laurier one. <laughs> so we <laughs> so just went to Mac, and we won the Mac one. <laughs> and so uh, anyways, the ultimate, uh, the ultimate showdown mm. took place at Mac, the final and the Arkells were the judges. Oh, uh, yeah, it was just and me and a couple other people. You, you and a couple of guys from the Arkells, right? No, it was just me, and then I think, um, I don't think the other guys in the band were there. But it Were was they like, not? It was uh, some other, like, campus events promoter or something like that. So, yeah, we were we, we played this show, and uh, I found just uh, uh, today under my bed uh, at my parents' house our scorecards <laughs> that uh, we were given that uh, secured our win of the... Uh, show off 2010 finals and i was just wondering if you could identify out of writing. all of these which okay. one is yours let's see I um think that would be my some pretty good reviews all the, all around we got uh we lost a lot of marks typically in stage presence and uh some really good uh notes uh, okay. uh am I, this looks like this one could be me could be you I don't think this was me. I think my favorite one is lead singer should, should warm, warm up. up. <laughs> yeah, that's my favorite piece of great yeah. structure, voice control, good energy, stage present, worked as a unit. I don't think, see this, I think mine would have been a pretty basic. I think it was this one. This one? Yeah. yeah. No, this actually shows how little I actually write. Yeah. I think, you know, what? I think this was mine. I said, it just said no question. No question. Yeah. yeah. I don't know who did this one, but they wrote a smiley face and a heart and had some very detailed notes and seemed like they had a change. They were originally going to give us all nines, but then they had a change of heart and they gave us all tens. So ah. anyways, 
It's a nice, fantastic document of McMaster uh, University history. It should probably be preserved. Yeah, uh, put it in in the the archives. In the archives. Very important piece of history right here. um, Yeah, actually, my friend uh, Jay Kelly, who I lived at on Arkell Street with, he just found the lease for the house that we we lived in. That's what the band's named after. So yeah, I was like, I need to get a copy of that. Legendary historical documents. Yeah, that's right. So, anyways, I'd like to formally thank you uh, to for uh, for letting us win. Uh, <laughs> it was well deserved. It was. It was. Uh, you guys were the best thing there. It was a tightly run battle between us and the abbreviations. And the abbreviations. That's and, right. Uh, I remember feeling abbreviations. Yeah, yeah good because band. pals with them too. And uh, I remember there was a band called Glass Tiger, and they were an instrumental metal band. They didn't have a singer. Isn't there a band called Glass Tiger? Or maybe it wasn't. I think, I think Tiger, Tiger Attack or something. And then, uh, oh, the other thing that I'd like to mention about this uh, very contentious uh, Battle of the Bands, University Battle of the Bands competition between universities was that uh, they, um, they had this one feature uh, online where you could vote Mm. Uh, for uh, a band online and anyone could vote. And so our friends who are coders at Waterloo who all now work in Silicon Valley uh, basically uh, <laughs> hacked this thing and created some sort of algorithm. So any, sometime, anytime someone would vote for another band, it would give our band five votes. <laughs> what? That is amazing. Uh, and, you could uh, always count on the coders just yeah, come through for you. So I think it, it, if you're it, on their good side. It, it, and then something happened like in that movie Office Space where instead of like rounding it up a quarter of a cent, it round like we ended up with like a hundred thousand votes. <laughs> like, wait and, a second. Like, and clearly cheated. <laughs> and we were almost disqualified, but they just they struck that from the uh from the grading sheet and uh we were very lucky. But the other bands were very, very uh uh, upset about that. Do you remember that band, Black Magic Movement, who played? Oh, I and do. And they brought a big posse. And yeah, uh, I do remember them. Oh yeah. wow. Yeah. Yeah. My my memory of our Battle of Bands gig was this: um, the band that beat us uh, in the finals. I think it was it was a band called the Johnstones, who were a ska okay. band. Yeah. And they were Ooh. so <laughs> outrageous, and we could not compete with their like stage value. Like, yeah. Like they were. They had like so many like comedic bits. They're kind of like like the Beastie Boys meets something else, um, but they were like really obscene. They had they all took off the shirts the whole time, and just like it was just like a, like extreme ska. Extreme ska. Yeah. Well, how's that not gonna win? Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. We're like, we're like wow. These guys really don't give a fuck in the best possible way. Yeah, I remember also there was the band that beat us at Laurier, that beat us out of the final, was a band called Funk in the Oven. And uh, (laughs) (laughs) Funk in the Oven wore all plaid and only played covers, and they had like three saxophones. Wow. uh, They destroyed us in the final. They they beat the nil. Yeah, they're playing covers, you know. Much deserved. Well, well done. Um, so um, I think that about does it. But I, I would just—is w- there anything else that you'd like to add to this uh, to uh, to the world? Or any, any message? Uh, um, uh, parting words? Uh, no, I think I think we're good. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we covered it all. <laughs> We've solved all the world's problems. Yeah, and uh, uh, we wish everyone out there a, a happy and uh, safe summer. Mm-hmm. And uh, just hang in there, and uh, <laughs> we'll get to the end of this shit together. Um, all right. Well, thank you very yeah, much, Mr. Kermit. Course, thank yeah. you very much for being Thanks on for uh, Born to Rome. And uh, hail, hail, rock and roll. Take care of each other. We'll see you. See you soon. Mm-hmm.